0: Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back, guys. And we have Valentine's Day just around the corner. So in celebration, we are talking about love in black and white. Of course, we're going to have France involved in this. We're going to talk about some kisses, some art, some photographs. And Claudine's going to take it from here.
1: Yeah. I mean, France is in Paris. It's a city of love. So of course it has to be. But I, um, there's two very famous. One of them is extremely famous. And I think um, probably just about anybody that grew up in the 80s or 90s, um, if you were a girl, you probably had this hanging in your bedroom or in your dorm room. (laughs) Because when I've talked about this before or posted about this uh, photograph on social media, somebody always says, I had that hanging in my dorm room. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so there's very uh, there's quite a few iconic images of paris um uh, many of them are captured by a few photographers including um robert Doisseau and R- willie roni and those are two we're going to talk about today they're Crips silver tone they're black and white images um stands the test of time because they are in black and white uh but one of the most famous ones is probably the um The kiss at the Hotel de Ville. Um, That is one that you know. Unfortunately, it's going to be one of those ones. Like with many things, I'm going to to crash your uh, romantic ideas of what the what the uh, photograph was. But it's still a fantastic one.
0: Yeah, I think I was just reading about it because an article came out about the woman saying, like, you know, it was all staged and they didn't like each other or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of sad. I mean, they did; they were lovers, but. Um, so the French photographer, Robert Doisneau, he is known very, this is like the the photo he's best known for. He began in 1931 as an assistant in, in an advertising photographer before he was enlisted in World War II. Following the war, he worked at Vogue, but perfectly, his perfectly crafted photo shoots were not really what he had in mind. He preferred to shoot the streets of Paris, real people going about their day to day lives, um, which I always notice anytime I post like just a video, like a 10 second video on my Instagram, like I'll just say 10 seconds of Paris. Everybody loves it. And it's just random people on their way like to work.
0: Yeah, people love observing others, especially in the beautiful Paris streets. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah, I mean, you got this
1: great backdrop. So there was a special exhibit a few years ago dedicated to him, to Duaceau, um, that I saw that was really fantastic and just kind of fell in love with, everything he did far past this painting uh, or this uh, photograph of the kiss. Um, So on June 13th, 1950, Life magazine published what would become one of the most iconic photos of Paris. uh, And it's called Le Baiser, And so it's the kiss at the Hotel de Ville. I love this photo, but more for what the couple, it's around the couple than the couple themselves. The essence of Paris comes through so clearly crossed in this piece, taken in front of the Hotel de Ville there in the very center of Paris, which is one of the most beautiful buildings, I think, in the city. In the fourth, the people walking by without even giving a glance towards the couple in this embrace, which is so very Parisian because you see, you know, you see people kissing on the bridges and on sidewalks and the terraces, and you really don't, it, you just keep going. I know that when I was living in, in the U.S. and I would see that, it'd be like, yuck, What are you doing? Get a room. And here you're just like, oh, it's just normal. It's just part of like, it's as essential as, you know, a baguette in Paris. I've seen
0: some people that look like they were making a baby on the sidewalk. I was like, wow. I I mean, I have seen that. That's maybe a little too much, but...
1: romance sweet little kiss is just fine um but you know with paris and especially with valentine's day coming up which isn't really a funny thing it's not really a big thing here it's starting to become more of a thing but it's really like you know it's not like in the u.s i think lottery is the only thing i noticed that um they're the only ones that really decorate their windows looking for people to come in and buy gifts but here it's more like you only celebrate it like you know if you're married and you you know it's not like the kids go to school and bring you know uh, valentines with suckers in it for all the kids in class they don't do that here
0: yeah they don't really do any of the holidays except really christmas and new years yeah it's kind of nice. day <laughs> it's kind of nice
1: um, back uh, by 1950 Robert Doisseau had been documenting the streets of Paris for years um, and he found inspiration in his everyday life and he one of these days he was walking and he saw this couple kissing so for more than 40 years it was this great mystery on who the young couple were but in 1992 they were revealed Um, Jacques Carteau and Francois Bournet were dating and walking through Paris kissing away when Doisseau caught a glimpse of them in 2005 Francois 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 said, he told us we were charming and asked if we could kiss again for the camera. We didn't mind. We were used to kissing. We were doing it all the time then. And it was delicious. Monsieur Doisseau was adorable, very low key and very relaxed. So we took them to a few famous spots in Paris to recreate the kiss. But it was in front of the Hotel de Ville that he got his money shot. When you are in Paris, go to the same spot, go to the cafe that's across the street. You kind of stand in front of the sea. That's on the building, the letter C and kiss away and you can make your very own version. You should do you should do photo shoots. You could start you could say, forget this Eiffel Tower every morning. I'm going
0: to go to Hotel de Ville and take pictures every day. Oh, it's funny you say that because I've had a couple of clients actually ask to recreate that photo and yeah. propose there. Oh, that's
1: perfect. See, you could, that could be your thing from now
0: on. More people want the Eiffel Tower, though. <laughs> I know, I know. It's
1: like, I just always think like, doesn't everybody at home have the same photograph now? <laughs> yeah, but it's a pretty cool photo. <laughs> it is. I mean, you see, you know, you never, I just was going by it last night in a taxi and I just, she was all lit up and I was like, you know, it never gets old. It just, it's, you never
0: like, ho oh, hum, there it is again. Yeah. I mean, I've been there for 11 years now and I see the Eiffel Tower every day for my job, but. I still get excited when it sparkles. It is. Yeah, I know. It's pretty amazing. So,
1: Duasso, um, he died in 1994 at 81 years old. He left uh, behind 500,000 negatives, more than enough for the man of this with his amazing art to live on forever. He said, I don't photograph life as it is, but life as I would like it to be. I like oh, that. Nice, that. Very sweet. So another very famous one, and I will have all of these on my website, ClaudieHemingway.com. Under the podcast, you can see all of these pictures that we're talking about. I'm sure the first one, everybody, comes right to mind. The next one is by a another photographer named Willy Roni. His father was born in Odessa, Ukraine. They fled to Paris when he and he set up a photography workshop. Willie had other ideas of being a composer, but when his father got sick, he took over the business. Willie liked the streets of Paris, just like Robert did, much better than sitting in a studio. One day in 1957, he decided to climb the July Column, which is at the Place de la Bastille. Um, While he was up there snapping a few pictures, he saw a young couple on the edge, at the very top of the column, looking down the Rue Saint-Antoine. And in this picture, it's, really great because you can see Notre Dame, the Eglise Saint-Paul, Saint-Louis, all of it immortalized in black and white. Willie took one photo. He walked back down and went on with his day. The image was later reproduced in magazines and postcards spread across the world, but Roni never knew who the young couple were until 31 years later. At a Valentine's exhibition at the Com- Comptoir de la Photographie in the Marais, where his famous painting or photograph was on display. I talk about painting so many times that I keep it in my mind. He (laughs) was on display and a young man walked up and saw saw this in this book and said, I know this couple. And so he, uh, he said... Would you like to meet him? He says a the restaurant they own is just around the corner. So at Ten Rue Saint Antoine, um, which is just basically like one block off of the Place de la Bastille, um, Rita, Riton, and Marinette came to Paris just from Alsace on that day in 1957. Climbed up to the top, one and only time. One and only time that they did this. Three years later, they were married and opened a restaurant and later had a poster of the photo framed in their bistro in the shadows of the statue of Beaumarchais. The couple had remained um, for 29 29 years with that restaurant and with the restaurant and the photo.
0: That's so cool. I'm so glad they connected finally. Yeah.
1: So they, you know, it's like they stood up there, had this quick photo taken and they were immortalized forever. But they had um, no idea that the restaurant that they would own, that they would purchase and and use for the rest of their life is actually in the photo as well.
0: What a great moment. That's what we love about cool? photography. It holds on to stories forever.
1: And it's like they're both because they're in black and white. they're They're timeless. Like you don't really notice like, I mean, definitely if you really look, you know, the clothes are kind of. dated that's where you really get the picture of time but that's a great thing about paris too because like you know the hotel de ville from when my grandparents saw it in the 70s and took a photo to what you and i would take a picture of today it looks exactly the same
0: yeah definitely It's, it's beautiful and like you said not enough people take pictures there no and i love
1: that i mean it's really is one of the greatest um, so now we're going to switch over to another thing that this now is in white marble and so when you talk about sculptures and and uh sculptors and love two artists reign Supreme over all the others and one of them we have talked about um Auguste Rodin and Camille Claudel and you know how much we love Camille Claudel um, Rodin is known for many different pieces, but specifically today I was going to talk about his uh, very famous, The Kiss. Um, It was made for his huge bronze gates of hell. In 1883, Rodin was commissioned to make a door for the decorative art museum that was actually going to be built where the Musée d'Orsay is now. Um, And it ended up not going through. And so but he kept working on this for the rest of his life. It from 37 years old until his death. He came close to finishing the gates of hell and it was all based on dante's inferno it's also based a little bit on um on it's a few other stories because he kept adding to it but one day we'll go through that because it'll probably be another like mona lisa 95 part episode because (laughs) i want to learn about each and every sculpture that's on there um but the kiss as as most people know um, have they, they've seen it before depicts a story of Francesca de Ramini and Paolo Mal- Maltesta. And they were star cl- cross lovers in Ramini, Italy. And what I didn't know is the, they were real people. Yeah. I think I've read about that
0: before, <laughs> but I don't know much about them.
1: Yeah. So they were in the Emilia Romana region. Francesca was born in 1255 and she was married off by her father to, um, uh, John Maltesta, but they she quickly fell in love with his hot and beautiful brother, Paola. He was actually known as the beautiful, I just added the hot in there. So, <laughs> when her husband discovered the two locked in an embrace, um, and a, and a kiss when they were reading Lancelot and Guinevere, he stabbed and killed them in 1285. Whoops. So, Paolo had met Dante in 1282 in Florence. And when he heard the fate of the, uh, later on, when he heard the fate of what happened to them, he decided to add them to D- Dante's Inferno or Divine Comedy, published in 1472. Dante spent more than 12 years writing this narrative. The When I say like, you know, he met him in 1282, I've written about this before um, online and I've had people say the dates are wrong, but he actually had this published um, he had finished writing in 1320, but it took 150 years for it to be published after he died. 150
0: yeah. years? That's insane. So,
1: yeah. So when I say it was in Divine Comedy of 1472, and you're thinking, wait a minute, he met him in 1282? <laughs> Yeah, wow. Holy crap. That's the big discrepancy. So he recants the three levels of the afterlife, the inferno which is hell, purgatory, and paradise which is heaven. He follows these characters as they navigate their destined ending. Um, It's the the sculpture itself, especially in marble, is amazing and up close. It has got the tiniest bit of sparkle within the marble, just kind of like love should be sparkling. My grandparents visited there in 1982, and my grandpa and his trusty camera captured the kiss in its sepia tone goodness at the Rodin Museum. The project for the Decorative Arts Museum never came together. Uh, But you can see the finished version in bronze at the Musée Rodin in Paris, which is an amazing uh, museum. And we have did a whole episode about the history of that museum before, which we'll put a link up. And the original plaster version is in the Musée d'Orsay. When he did do this because the French state actually specifically commissioned the kiss as we see it today. He decided to take that off of the Gates of Hell, and then he changed the way he depicted the two lovers. He has them more like they're kind of grabbing each other and kind of floating off into the air. It's in the bottom right-hand corner, and it's very much just like the way Ari Sheffer captured them in a painting that is in the Louvre. So the Rodin, um, the, the Gates of Hell itself... The most, you know, his most famous pieces, The Thinker, um, The Kiss, all of those were created for
0: the Gates of Hell. I mean, the Gates of Hell are pretty cool if you haven't seen them. I mean, I know it's a little morbid, but they're amazing. It's amazing. And what's really cool about
1: it is that when he was commissioned to do this, he was commissioned to do a door and they just said, we want this door. And if you go into a church, you know, if you go into Notre Dame and you go into any other churches, you know, you go through these churches and there's sculptures all over, you know, the door on the outside and above you. And that was because... Um, people didn't know how to read back then. So that's where they were teaching them the stories of the Bible. So Rodin's idea was to take this and say, here, teach you. Here's all the different realms of the afterlife and hell and put that in. So people would walk in it much like they do when they go into a church.
0: I think that's so cool. I I mean, it, it's that's one of my favorite museums in Paris.
1: It's so great, and not many people go there, and it's quiet, and the history of it's really great, so make sure to check out that episode we did. Um, But the relationship between Camille Claudel and Rodin was one of inspiration, love, and eventually anger. When she was just 19, Rodin had brought on some young, eager students to help him with the commissions, including the Gates of Hell. In 1883, they began an affair that would last over 10 years. The student and the teacher would be inseparable, and he would do all he could to help her throughout uh, working through the Paris art world. Camille's sexual nature of her works did not go over very well with the with the people of Paris, especially when it was created by a woman. Her family didn't approve of her work or her relationship with Rodin, creating an even wider divide between her mother and siblings, including her jackass of a brother, Paul. <laughs> We're still mad at him. I'm still. I will always be mad at that jerk. At some time, she focused on. Um, The tiny details of the human body in Rodin's work, um, and also took, at the same time, his work took on a more erotic and sensual nature. If you look at the pieces he created when the two became involved, it is it started being more instead of single figures, two bodies entwined. And it's really, his stuff is, I mean, his stuff is, I love it. It's amazing. Um, The saddest part is that Rodin was just as much her muse as she was for him. And their love affair comes across in many pieces, including Rodin's Eternal Idol, Fleeting Love, The Kiss, of course, um, Eternal Spring, and then um, also in Camille's um, Abandon, and then the one that she did that's one of my favorites, it's just haunting and sad, is the one that's called um, Maturity. And so he, after they had split up, she um, she had wanted to marry Rodin and he said no because he had been with his partner, Rose, forever. Um, Rose, he ended up marrying her two weeks before she died, Rose. Um, in 1892, Camille and Rodin's relationship ended, but her feelings for him were still there. In 1895, the French government commissioned her to create a sculpture for the state doing anything she wanted. And so she created this... Uh, this sculpture called Maturity. You can see it in the Orsay and also at the Rodin. It depicts an older woman kind of pulling and leading an older man away while he reaches his arm back. There's a woman um, that's clearly younger on her knees, reaching up, kind of pleading him to stay Believing that the older woman was Rose, leading Rodin away, Camille reaches out to him. Many, including Rodin, thought it was a message to their relationship and was outraged. The French government canceled the commission when they saw the subject and how much it offended Rodin. Um, Camille was still completed, and it would be exhibited in 1899, much to the chagrin of Rodin. Up until this point, Rodin helped to support her financially, but that ended with the maturity and her final break from the sculpture. He But later, um, after she was tossed away by her brother, Paul, he'd later do all he could do to help save her um, from the fate that her brother would put her in. And But sadly, that didn't work. Um, there's another one that's in the Rodin that she did. It's called The Waltz. And it's it's even, I mean, the, those two pieces between maturity and The Waltz, both of them, I think every time I see them, it they make me cry. They're so beautiful. She does the one, um, The Waltz, that they say that maybe it was actually, um, for Chopin, but, uh, it's just this beautiful, beautiful piece. And you could feel kind of the love that coming through all of them. And if you do go, especially at the Rodin, cause it, the way it's set up, it gives you more of an opportunity, get as close as you can and walk all the way around. Just keep walk around the sculptures, like four times, <laughs> taking it all in because it's absolutely amazing. And, uh, If you'll have to listen to the episode we did about Camille Claudel, because if you don't fall completely in love with her and hate her brother more than anything, by the end of it, you must not have listened to the whole thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's true. I mean, her work is amazing and the story. And yeah, like you have to go see her work.
1: Yeah, I can't, you know, there we've talked about, cause I think we recorded that episode like three years ago and, um, there's a museum dedicated to her in Nogent sur seine So it's like an hour and 15 minute train ride outside of Paris. And so I've, I've been saying, I want to go out there, but I've got this spring, I'm going to have to go do it. Cause I've heard, I have a friend that went and
0: she said it was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Mark, yes. we're doing it. We'll Make videos those. for you guys. Yeah
1: have to for sure. But that's a, you know, there's a, we've done a couple other episodes about love in the Louvre, some other pieces that are in the Louvre that kind of exude love and I'll put links to all of those. We'll put them in the show notes and also on my website. Well, and guys, happy
0: Valentine's, day. happy Valentine's day and make sure you tune in next week and check out com for more information. Thanks for listening today, guys. If you're interested in learning more about Claudine, her tours, history, and the beautiful photographs that she posts all over Instagram, tune into her website, ClaudineHemingway.com.